Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Hawks Insiders Thursday night safe space. Thursday, the 1st of June, and our last Thursday night space for a while. Uh, as with the buy rounds coming up, there's a bit of Thursday night football happening on the agenda for the next few weeks, so we will be making that switch. Uh, but for now, we are grateful to have you all on board. Uh, my name's Andrew Weiss. I'll be hosting tonight in the absence of our spiritual leader, Ash Brown. Uh, Ash sends his apologies. Uh, his daughter got engaged a couple of days ago, so he is having a celebration tonight. So on behalf of everyone here, we send a huge congrats to Ash. Uh, and unfortunately for all of you, you're just going to have to put up with the rest of us. So uh, there's quite a lot to get through today. Some of it uh, is going to be fun. Some of it might not be so much fun. We want to try and focus on the good and, as always, really want you all to get on board and have your say. But without further ado, uh, we will check in with our co-hosts and panel this evening. Daz, good evening to you. Good evening. Um, yeah, good to be back. I, I missed last week, so nice to be back. And I actually thought I was a spiritual leader. So don't know what happened there in the space of a week, we see, but you might have to explain offline. No, I'm happy to, uh, happy to explain it online. You see, what happened was last week, <laughs> Ash and I had to host the entire space, just the two of us. And whilst we had great support from the community, uh, it was it, it was quite an effort for everyone to have to listen to our dulcet tones. So, yeah, you're out of the leadership group and uh, well, you, Ash is in. You still managed to go for well over an hour. I listened to it the next day, so <laughs> didn't have yeah. much trouble trouble keeping the uh, the show going. No, I think Prinzy let Ash know all about those timeframes as well. Brad Klebanski, our Chairman of Selectors, good evening and welcome to you. Evening all, great to be back. Apologies, I was missing last week. Had a work dinner, but uh, yeah, try to make it at the end, but just missed out. But good to be back after two wins in a row. Absolutely, it's a good time to be on board. And uh, Brad, we have, well, since teams dropped earlier this evening, there has been... A lot of heated discussion through our WhatsApp group, and we will. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna shuffle the agenda around tonight, and we might get into some of that a little bit later on. Uh, Simon Morowitz in the house tonight. Welcome and good evening. Oh, I'm in the house. I actually am. Usually, I'm driving home from futsal at this stage. So happy to be here for this one. Early game, or uh, what's the story there? Yeah, early game. And? Um, oh, I scored a great goal. You should have seen it. I'm sure we can. I don't usually send around. Was, was it uh, Was it <laughs> being streamed? I'm sure uh, by the end of this space, you, you might have already uh, 
got access to some of the footage, we might all get uh, get a look and see just how good that goal was a little bit later on. Uh, we've got Danny Prince, who will uh, hopefully be joining us soon as well, which will be uh, pretty significant when we get into the mid-season draft chatter. He is the guru, all things recruiting. But before we get into some of those topics, let's... Uh, Brad mentioned off the top, we've managed to uh, to bank back-to-back wins. So let's start by talking about that brilliant win against the Saints last weekend. We came home like an absolute freight train, kicking the last five goals of the game after the Saints kicked the opening goal of the last term to come home, win the game 12-16-88 to St Kilda's 12-6-78. Under the roof at Marvel. Uh, as always, we will get through the good, the bad, and the experience itself. So, to start with, uh, you've got, well, 55 minutes, Daz. You're going to be taking us through the good. Yeah, I don't know if that's enough time, actually, after that, after that game. But, um, you know, I think straight off the bat, just proving that the West Coast game wasn't a flash in the pan fluke. And I think uh, it was, a you know, a lot of us thinking, especially Ash, that it was a bit of a false economy. Um, obviously, the manner in which we beat West Coast and how poor their team is, it was really hard to get a read on that game. But, you know, coming back and beating St Kilda, who are a finals chasing team, whether we want to admit it or not, was, was really, really great. And we'll do this group of world of good. I guess all the tanking, Claims have gone by the wayside now, and it's so good to put that narrative to bed. Um, you know, we're, we're either extremely bad at tanking or we didn't tank at all, and I probably think it's the latter. So, yeah, just, just the manner in which we finished the game as well, coming home strong with five goals after a game in which I thought our wayward kicking would have probably given the, the Saints uh, a window in, and, and maybe in, in previous rounds they would have made us pay, but just the way that we finished the game and that flurry of goals at the end to finish it off. Captain James Sicily with probably one of the best individual performances I think any of us have seen. Um, it was just an incredible game off half back. I think he went a sort of ninety over 90%, 40 odd touches. Uh, it was just an incredible captain's performance. Um, and I've been pretty harsh on Sis, so... A huge mea couple from me. Um, I think Blank did a really good job on King as well. And I think that actually freed up Sis to do what he does best. Having Sis not being that accountable defender has really freed him up over the past few weeks. And we're getting the best out of him again. And he's, dare I say it, in all Australian form. Uh, Reeves and Meek beating Marshall. And how often does Marshall tower up? the Hawks, so it was really good to, to get one over him, and I thought those two worked really well in tandem. Reeves, I think, had a terrific last quarter, and some of his tap work was really um, sublime. Dylan Moore's back. Um, it looked like a bit of a shaky start, and he looked really low on confidence, but uh, again, came home strong, kicked a really important last quarter red time goal, and that kind of set up the win for us. Um, that midfield unit's gelling really well. Hardwick kept there. Dangerous small forwards, pretty quiet. Games into the likes of Weddle and McKenzie. Mitch Lewis just changes our entire forward line and makes it look functional and makes everyone else in 
around him look so much better, including my man, the match winner, Cozzy, who I honestly had my heart in my mouth. I thought he was going to spray that shot. But it was uh, it was such a, a big moment for him. And I hope, it, I hope it's a real turning point for his career because I do think we're a better forward line when, when him and Mitch Lewis are sort of playing off each other. And I think they make each other better. So... Hopefully that's a step in the right direction for Coz and I was just wrapped that he, that he had that moment and he took it so well. Yeah, we were, again, you know, our group and I'm sure many of other supporters would have been going through the same same things in terms of the messaging around Cozzy through the first half, but he uh, he did a great job to turn, turn that around and Daz... Um, as one of the the leaders of his fan club, that that vindication you were talking about was definitely on show against the Saints. Absolutely, I think it must have been hard for you, Weezy, to admit he <laughs> had a good game, just giving how much of a, a panning he was getting. Oh, he's got all season from you, and then the WhatsApp. You know what? And and it's been well deserved because he's been really low on confidence and down on form. There was a point where he just looked like he was. Um, what was Ash's famous phrase around Cozzy? Cement hand, hands of cement. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't repeat it. It's slanderous, but um, yeah, I'm just happy that he he had that moment because um, he's he's been working hard to his credit. He's gone back to Box Hill and done all the right things. He has, like you said, he's a confidence player, and I'm personally still not convinced. Absolute credit to where it, it's credit where it's due for what he did and and hopefully um as we discussed in in the player review pod he he seems to be a much better footballer when he can play second fiddle to Mitch Lewis so hopefully we see a fair bit more of that um i think yeah. the other thing the other thing worth mentioning you, you mentioned off the top Daz, about um about the West Coast game and and whether or not um, we could read too much into it and and last week um, last week in the space Ash asked that exact question whether or not we should be celebrating whether or not we should be tempering it and my comments were simply there's nothing to temper uh, until we are getting smashed by St Kilda and back in the uh, realization that. Um, yet we were just playing against West Coast. Why should we be dampening spirits of enjoying what we saw? And that was probably vindicated too because we we got treated to what you'd have to say was an even better performance. That's it. And I think this season is really just about living moment by moment and like to use the old cliche, week by week. And why not celebrate a win? They're not going to come around a lot. They haven't come around a lot. I think that was our first win in Melbourne for 314 days or something. So let's just celebrate every win with as much gusto as possible and not think about what it means, what it means in, in, in the bigger picture. It's, it, it's a win and it's great for this group to win. We don't, we don't have a tanking culture at Hawthorne. We've never had a tanking culture, no matter what the media says. And I just think it's developmentally, it's just good good to win. The boys are up and about. Morale's really high. It's 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 demoralising to lose in the manner that West Coast um, and North are losing every single week. Um, even though they may have a better draft position by the end of the year, I think uh, I'm just firmly in, in the camp of let's just 
win as many games as we can and and keep developing because because it's important for for development too. Completely. Speaking of up and about, uh, Brad Klebanski's been up and about, and so what we're actually going to do tonight is flip the script on its head. We know that half of you will be disappointed because you love Brad coming off a long run and half of you will be happy because you want to keep the vibe positive. So what we're actually going to do today is, for the bad, Mora, you've been tasked with talking us through the bad from the Saints game on the weekend. It's just about the hardest job you could have given me as well. I swear. You know it's a pretty good performance when it draws an apology from Caroline Wilson. That was... That was unexpected. Uh, it but, was, and we will um, definitely get into that in our Media Watch segment, Mora. Um, talk us through some of the things we should be concerned about that we saw on the weekend. Well, it was a pretty obvious one, which is that you, we got the full um, James Sicily experience on the weekend, which was some outstanding performances and also um, turning a 50-metre penalty into a 100-metre penalty and a one-week suspension as well. So admittedly, um, you know, the, he turned a... 50-metre penalty into a 51-metre penalty. So I'll cut him some slack on that one. And to be fair, um, Max King deserved another hit. So I was with him on that one. I was with Derby when he supported him. Um, But, yeah, it's not optimal to have your captain, possibly your best player, and definitely your most informed player missing for a week, Um, especially given the um, forward line that Port Adelaide can can produce on any given week. Um, I know, as you mentioned, Blank had a pretty good game, but Max King still kicked four, which is not um, great. And uh, I, I think three the, of them one of those four. Threes. Three of That's them it. One threes, of them was a huge they? flop. Yeah. A massive flop. I mean, the, it was a flop, but he doesn't flop if you don't push him in the chest. So it's just, it was pretty dumb, I think, by Blank. And I, 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 you just have to, whilst... He, you know, he himself might get a reputation and then next time he does it, he won't get one. Um, other players will. And so if you just don't do it, you don't, the umpire doesn't get to make that decision. So that's, that's one thing. And, and the other thing, I mean, the narrative from the game is that, you know, we uh, came from the clouds and, and, um, and stormed home with a wet sail with the last five goals. And in reality, we were, I think, playing as well in the first couple of quarters as we were in the last quarter. Um, but we were seven goals, 14 at three-quarter time. So that's that's not optimal. Um, we could have been in front quite handsomely at three-quarter time and made the game a bit easier for ourselves. So, um, you know, our goal-kicking and, and our general play forward of the centre square is, I mean, we knew going into this season that was going to be our, our Achilles heel and, and it nearly cost us on the weekend. Fortunately, it didn't. Um, but that's that's not a new cause for concern, but it is an area for concern. Um, so just general um, lack of reward for effort. Like we, we, someone made the point at the start of the season that we were kicking some really outstanding goals, but no really basic goals. And sometimes you just have to make the game easy for yourself. Um, and, and these days we're making it really hard for ourselves. But I got to be honest, I am nitpicking. Um, and I don't, I didn't even enjoy trying to find the negatives out of this, uh, experience. I don't know how you do it every week, Brad, you were doing it in, in 2013, 14 and 15 as well. And, and I, I just, I don't know how you do it because, um, yeah, it wasn't fun. Let's, let's, let's not listen to anything I just said and focus on the good bits. Yeah. It's, it's classic, uh, it's classic job interview stuff, isn't it? Where it's like, tell us something, tell <clears throat> us something bad about yourself. Oh, 
Yeah, our goal kicking wasn't very good, but actually we we managed to get into so many great positions to have shots at goals and won the game anyway. So, um, yeah, turn that negative uh, into yeah, we we couldn't. We couldn't capitalise on our extreme dominance. That's a negative play. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Mara. Uh, I'm glad you put that little disclaimer at the end because it is absolutely nitpicking. It was a beautiful, beautiful day to be watching the brown and gold. Brad, now you have been tasked with something different tonight. We want to hear about the experience. So... Um, for this game, you were in the media centre, I believe. Let us know what it's like working uh, at a Hawks game. Want to know what the uh, what the lunch and afternoon tea was like. Want to know what it's like being in the same facility as a whole lot of journos covering the game. Give us the full media experience. Uh, it's not as special as you think it would be. Um, no scones and cream lucky. and jam and no, you get it's uh, p- pies and sausage uh, rolls. That's all. Nothing fancy. There uh, is a barista in the media centre, which is very nice. Um, all the journo's are in there before other games, starting to file pre uh, pre game stuff. It's very quiet uh, in there. Champion data, the guys who do uh, the stats actually uh, work out of there as well. So it is in, it is quite uh, interesting to be in there where it's very quiet, but all you hear is there's four or five guys from our champion data who literally their job is to say, Reeves hit out, uh, Newcomb tackle. In, like, literally every single play of the game gets uh, spoken about. So they're the guys who do all the stats when you see on, you know, all of the fantasy competitions. So I found that was interesting. I did luckily or unluckily uh, um, spend quite a bit of time with our good old mate, uh, Damo. Had a lovely chat to Damo for quite a while. Uh, in positive news for us or negative for some, he has agreed to come on um, in a few weeks' time. So hopefully we win a few more games. We'll get Damo on and everyone can smash him. So... He was happy to come on and not cop it. He didn't admit uh, his tanking. He's still standing by it, which I find hard uh, to believe. Uh, Caro, as we spoke about, I'm sure uh, we're going to touch on, you know, uh, was big enough to admit she was wrong um, in her Caro's uh, arrow on footy classified, which was great to see. But Damo is still very strong on what he believes, um, our list management and what he calls tanking. So that was uh, interesting. But, yeah, overall, the experience is yeah, pretty good. I did spend a bit of time in the SC and our commentary box as well. Jared Waitley was calling the game with uh, Mari. Uh, Mark Sellers uh, McClure was on special comments. An interesting character. I haven't met, really met Sellers or worked with uh, him over the years, but um, a different character, uh, old school. I think he's the type of commentator you either love or you hate. But um, I like him. I think he brings something different to the game. Uh, but, yeah, I can see how some people, you know, don't respond to him well. Uh, but it was good to be there for a win. I wasn't lucky enough to get to the rooms after the game. I had to leave straight away. So couldn't get into the rooms. But, yeah, hopefully in a few weeks' time when we're back playing in Melbourne, I'll head out and... Hopefully we get a win. I think, Simon, we play Brisbane at the MCG in a few weeks, so you never know. 
Indeed. Well, yep, I'll be that one. Yeah, that's the one you're going to be at. So maybe we'll yeah. We might try and get a group photo. Try and get a group photo at that game. Um, yeah. Well, thanks a lot for that, Brad, and for all of those of you who do fantasy. Brad's DMs will be open in case you are ever at a game. You see one of your players get a touch that does not register. We know now that Brad has a direct line with the guys from Champion Data. Just another service that we at Hawks Insiders will be providing to you. Um, now, Danny Prins, I uh, just wanted to get you on to say good evening and see how you're travelling. Good evening, Andrew Weiss. I'm travelling very well. Thank you very much. And uh, sorry, I was late this evening celebrating my uh, young fella's sixth birthday. So just had to get him to bed quickly before I could jump. Yeah, happy birthday to the young fella. Uh, I'm sure it was a great celebration and um, glad that you made sure you got it all out of the way nice and quickly. Uh, is it is it fair that I, I heard that you tried to push it forward an hour just to make sure you could join us. It's the rumor doing that. I, I left I left work forty five minutes early to try to push it forward so that I'd be here by eight thirty. Didn't quite make it, but that's okay. Here now and ready to talk all things Hawthorne. So yeah, let's let's uh let's crack on. Amazing. Uh well thank you as always for joining us. Now Daz uh, I want to get you on to ask you a couple of things uh, Media Watch related. Brad and Mara have already touched on it, but since you're our media guru, uh, for those obviously that don't know, Darren's I thought also, I was the merch guru. <laughs> uh, you're our apparel guru, our social media guru, our Dr. Google guru, our marketing guru, our subscriber experience guru, our Cozy guru, I could go... Just not the spiritual leader. Just not the spiritual leader. You've been booted from the leadership group. Um, Daz, I want to ask you, um, we heard about it earlier, but let's start with Caro's apology. So we obviously played good footy. You've alluded to that in terms of the good section for the Saints game. Uh, And then... All of a sudden, out of the blue, footy classifieds on Monday night, Caro's arrow, she aims it at herself and puts a hand up to say that she was wrong. How, how did you feel about that? Well, I'm, I may be a media guru and I, I did have a previous life in the media, but I, I stopped watching for my own health and safety footy classified a long time ago because... Um, I had to, yeah, I, I, there's been a few broken TVs in this house. Um, that show just absolutely infuriates me. It's actually the most toxic footy show going around, which says a lot because it follows on the couch. So um, I, I really love my life without that toxicity in it, but I did, I just don't think in the history of Caro's Arrow, I, I sort of those clips come up on Twitter every once in a while, and I don't think Caro's ever aimed it at herself. So to get a mea culpa from Caro is some achievement. Um, so it just shows how ridiculous and pumped up this tanking narrative was from the start of the year um, and how much these footy uh, shock jocks 
just rely on saying outlandish statements um, to to get a headline, and then when it all blows up in their face, at least Caro actually had the um, you know had the gumption to actually say she was she was wrong as opposed to Damo and looking very much looking forward to having him on the show in a few weeks. But um, yeah, well, that, I, I, I... that flows into Damo and obviously um, Damo and Hutchie are on the sounding board and, and we won't uh, let Brad get stuck in given his place of imp- employment. But Daz, we, we have Patrick on the line as well with a question on, on uh, during the week, um, Hachi and Damo on the sounding board. Um, Hachi went into bat for the insiders, having uh, having had a discussion about the article we put out about Damo a few weeks back, and Hachi brought it all back up and had a, a fair whack at Damo, who went on to actually acknowledge that um, Hawks insiders own. Uh, Ashley Brown, Brad Klebanski, and in fact Patrick Malone. I was just going to say, how did I get dragged into that into that article? I well, you're, uh, you're one of us now, Patrick. Sorry to break it to you, mate. It's um, you're I mean, an honor- I, I, wasn't I the uh, Dingley correspondent anyway? So I may as That's well it. be one of you guys. <laughs> You might have been upgraded to our spiritual leader just quietly. Um, but no, before we get on to uh, whether or not you do have a comment, Daz, um, the, the, it's not just Caro. Kane Corns has been on board for a while. The narrative everywhere is starting to shift. And, and again, talked about this last week with Ash. It's just a matter of time before that narrative in the media shifts and North Melbourne and uh, West Coast become the teams to pile on top of. That's it. And then we go back to being the irrelevant Hawks. So looking forward to that moment. Um, I, I, I am very much across the sounding board because my friends send me a message every time Hawks Insiders get gets mentioned. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a thrill actually being mentioned on that <laughs> podcast, even though I'm not not ever mentioned by name. And um, I think I think it just shows that we're actually having an impact on the mainstream footy me- media, which is really what this whole thing was about in the first place. Um, and calling out the mainstream footy media's narrative on Hawthorne and and how lazy it was and how ridiculous it was, and um, it just I think just this whole cycle of uh, tanking and non-tanking and apologies and Caro's arrows. It just, it just makes me laugh and just makes me realize why this community exists in the first place. So thank you. (laughs) Big thanks to Hachi and Damo for continuing, continuing to mention us and give us publicity and make my friends uh, pretty excited on WhatsApp. It's always popping off when they mention us. So um, I'm loving it. And so, Brad, I will ask you, um, what is interesting tied into those comments by Daz is, you know, that the article, um, the article rebutting all of Damo's comments and theories over the last six months, which was very well received by uh, our community, um, on, on the sounding board a few weeks back, it was pretty much... Um, well dismissed and laughed away as as us being a group that, in his eyes, um, are fairly irrelevant because we're Hawthorne nuffies just flying the flag for the club and 
literally in the space of three or four weeks, again, listening to the episode during the week, that seems to have changed. And, and they're, they're taking, uh, as Daz said, the voice of independent media a little bit more seriously. No, absolutely. Damo is aware. He, he, you know, he's got a bit of a persona on the outside now. I think you guys heard his feelings just a little bit. <laughs> Damo's a big boy. But no, they are aware. Hachi, when I, I see Hachi uh, a couple of times per week, um, and he uh, mentions us, um, a few other of the journalists and other of the media guys within our office, um, often uh, when I walk in in the morning, you know, they call me the Hawk Insider. So they do know about us. Um, Kane Corns as well. Um, had a good catch up with Kane week before last. And I know Kane cops quite a lot of flack. He is a massive supporter of uh, Sammy Mitchell. He loves him. He thinks he's going to be a very, very good and successful uh, coach. Um, and as I've mentioned previously, a lot of the comments Kane's made about our team and our list has actually been uh, correct. But um, for those out there who don't like Kane, um, he is a massive supporter of uh, Mitchell and the uh, journey our clubs are taking. So... Not sure those tune in every second week. Sam joins Kane and David King on their Friday morning breakfast show. It's really good uh, listening. But yeah, Kane speaks highly of Sam very often. So Yeah, it's clear yeah, that uh, a- since the end of last year, um, when Sammy started doing the morning show with Kane Corns, Kane's narrative started shifting. And, and, and it's clear that it's as a result of having more time actually following the story, listening to Sam, understanding what he's trying to do, that that connection's been formed. And, and certainly Prinzi's been on board the Canes flip the narrative train um, around for some time. And, and he's a pretty good ally to have when we're in the position that we're in. Patrick, uh, just before we move on to mid-season draft discussion, uh, was there anything else you wanted to add, mate? I was I was also going to joke. Do you think the AFL kept the uh, possibility of sanctions open just so uh, Damian Barrett can still write something negative about Hawthorne? Because surely we're not going to get draft picks or anything. Like surely that's about the only reason that they do it at this point. We'll we'll get on to the sanctions and the whole saga uh, after the mid season draft discussion. But no doubt, uh, no doubt, we're looking at potentially a third week in the row in a row of. If I thought I'd be writing something positive about Hawthorne at the start of this week, then insert commentary here. But we'll worry about that tomorrow morning. Danny Prince, uh, thanks again for jumping on. You uh, put out a wonderful article today just looking at our selections um, in last night's mid-season draft. Finished the night with uh, Clay Tucker and Brandon Ryan as our two selections and one of only a few clubs making two selections for the night. Prinzi, the floor is yours to give everyone a good underst- understanding of who these two guys are and, and why we've um, why we've selected the way we have. Yeah, thanks, Weezy. And before I get into that, I will just start, just further on your comment about Kane Corns. I actually think Cornsy's been fairly well on on the money when it comes to Hawthorne's list position for about five or six years. 
going back to the Clarko days where he was saying we need to tear it down, not invest in, you know, the wing guards and, and co. So um, that's why I'm a big cane believer. I think he does try to be a shock jock a bit too often and he needs to tone that down, but that does drive traffic to their website. So um, it, everything has its place, I guess. Um, in relation to the mid-season draft, um, you know, really exciting uh, night for all clubs, but especially for the Hawks with two picks. And um, going in there, um, I think the idea or the ideal situation, I mentioned this in my piece, was would have been that Ryan Marek slides down to three and they grab him. You know, that's the ideal player um, that could have come in and developed with the young list and um, played in that forward position. Um, potentially as a third forward, maybe as that second tall forward. But that obviously didn't happen, and he's off to West Coast. Unlucky for him. Um, but he'll probably play some uh, some AFL footy just based on their uh, incredibly long injury list and their mismanagement of their injuries. So um, that's one Box Hill player off the board. At number three, we had uh, the second Box Hill player off the board, and that's obviously Clay Tucker. Uh, Tucker being a 204-centimetre ruckman uh, from the Eastern Rangers, played there last year, dealt with a few injuries, uh, and then came back this year as an overage player and actually debuted for Box Hill last weekend and had a fairly serviceable game. I think he had about eight to ten touches, 20-odd hit-outs, um, and, you know, uh, showed some real... Um, skill and talent with his hitouts to advantage. And um, that's a real strength of, of Clay's. Um, he is a number one Ruckman first and foremost. So this would be somebody coming in and developing under Ned Reeves as a number one Ruck. Uh, and then, you know, um, hopefully one day taking that position. Um, what we need to remember with Clay Tucker is he's still 18 years old. He doesn't turn 19 until August. Um, so he is very young and very raw. So I wouldn't expect to see him um, at AFL level probably for a couple of years. He signed on on an 18-month contract and um, that gives him a little bit of stability to be able to just go away and develop at Box Hill. Um, with Max Lynch on the long-term injury list and probably without speaking uh, ill of, of Lynchy, um, looking odds on um, to probably not be on our list next year and that's that that's maybe controversial it may be a little bit harsh i'm not a doctor I'm, i don't profess to be one but you would think he would be with the serious concussion issues that they have um very it might be very tough to keep him as a uh, with the spot on the hawks list i don't think the hawks would want to go in next year with five ruckman on their list so i think that this is a bit of long-term planning we see you've got a hand yep. up, so I'm assuming you want to jump Prinzi, in. Prinzy, what do you think this means in terms of, I mean, it's more likely than not that Meek and Ned Reeves, as long as they're fit, will play together pretty much, you'd think, based on what we've seen the last three or four weeks, the whole season through the seniors. How yep. important is this selection for Max Randon's development as a forward yep. Yeah, and look, you've read my mind. That's where I was going next. So uh, patience is a virtue, my friend. But um, <laughs> apologies. Uh, it, 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 no, no, no. It is, uh, it is incredibly important. It's incredibly important for Box Hill as well, right? Because uh, Max Ramsden plays his best footy as a forward ruck, um, and that that is like eighty percent forward, twenty percent ruck, where he might chop out for five minutes a quarter or something like that, and play as a as a secondary key forward. Um, Last week and the week before, he Ramson had to play as the number one ruck. Um, and that's not ideal. That's not ideal for his development. That's not ideal for Box Hill. 
Um, having Clay Tucker in as a Box Hill regular, as a Hawthorne listed player, will allow him to sort of assume that number one ruck mantle. And he will probably come up against very seasoned uh, VFL rucks like Sam Naismith at Port Melbourne and, and players of that calibre and copper hiding. But for the long term and for the development of these young players, that's much better than Max Ramsden having to do that. So um, there's some real benefits on a number of levels, ideally for Box Hill and their um, charge to the finals and you know tilted a premiership in the VFL level. Max Lynch playing as a seasoned body uh, and, a, and a ruckman that's very good at VFL level would have been the ideal situation. But this is not a bad second option for them. Um, but yeah, so Tucker's strengths are his ruck work, his craft around the ball, his hitouts to advantage. That's something to keep an eye on over the rest of the year, how he directs the ball to his inside mids, or if he gets a good run at it, um, how he clears the inside mids and finds the outside runners with his hit, hit outs as well. He's been very good at that at, at, at Coates League level. Um, and then he's just a very, very good athlete for a man of his size. So 204 centimetres, as I said, 100 kilos. Um, he's a big unit and an imposing figure for an 18-year-old kid. Uh, but he moves incredibly well for a guy with a frame of his, of his, um, yeah, and of his stature. So um, we're not saying that he is, you know, uh, like an athlete like, Ramsden is, but he is maybe not as fluid as that, but a very good athlete for that the frame that he has. Uh, and that'll be something to watch him develop over the years. Um, I think uh, moving on to Brandon Ryan. Brandon Ryan's one I'm actually re really excited about. He's another 200-centimetre player. Um, but if you look at his body composition, you look at how he looks in that photo that the Hawks posted today of all their mid-season draftees. Um, there was Ramsden. Blank, Newcomb, um, and then the two new boys in Tucker and um, and Ryan. And Ryan is quite slender. He's a lot more fluid of an athlete. And there's a bit more Max Ramsden about Brandon Ryan. What I really like about Ryan is at 200 centimetres and roughly 90-odd kilos, um, his ability in the air with, a, with incredibly long arms and a great reach is, is, is very good. He is very good aerially, but he's also really good when the ball hits the deck. And I think that that's rare for a 200 centimetre athlete. And what excites me probably the most out of anything is Ryan's 25 years old. So he, he's not a spring chicken, but he has had one half of a season at VFL level. When he was 19, he came out of the under 18 system. He didn't really play in the under 18s. He said he was a fair way off it at the time. He was on uh, North Melbourne's VFL list as a 19 and 20-year-old, but didn't play a game of VFL football. He was in the rehab group for the vast majority of that time and then went back to local level after those two years. He played at Mar Maribyrnong in the Essendon District League, um, but the first two seasons he had were wiped out by COVID. So he basically played no footy from 19 to 23. At 24, he went and played a full season at Maribyrnong and smashed it. That's what gave him the opportunity to trial at the Northern Bullants. And Brody Holland, having coached at Maribyrnong prior to going to the Bullants, knew about um, uh, Ryan and invited him for pre-season. And the rest, as they say, is history. He has been one of the best key forwards in the VFL over the course of the early part of the season. He didn't have a great day against Box Hill, but he, he did kick five goals to have 10 marks and have 17 disposals against the Swans reserves early in the season and um, has had other 
plenty of other games of two and three goals at a time with lots of marks and a lot of scoreboard impact. And I think what needs to be remembered is that he's doing that in a Bullants team that is rubbish, like a terrible VFL team. They're a standalone team. The talent level is not good. Their midfield gets smashed week in, week out. So the service is quite poor. What he could do at Box Hill with the likes of Cal Porter, Ed Phillips, Henry Hutswaite, Callum Brown, any other of those young hawks that rotate through there, whether it's Connor McDonald, Josh Ward, um, you know, Cam McKenzie, whoever's playing there that week, he is going to get far, far better service at Box Hill than he was at uh, the Northern Bullland. So you'd expect to see his shots at goal increase dramatically because of that. Um, at 25 and on a six-month contract at the Hawks, you would hope that he would get games before the season's out. So he's going to come in and put pressure on Jacob Kaczynski from day one um, to be Mitch Lewis's um, new sparring partner, for lack of a better term, up in that forward line as a key forward. So there's a lot to be excited about from a Hawks perspective. And, um, you know, from whether or not you follow Box Hill or not, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out um, at both VFL and AFL level in the rest of the 2023 season. Couple, thank you, Princey. That was brilliant. Couple of questions without notice for you around um, around all of this. Um, that there's been a fair bit of uh, media around marriage talking about how recruiters believed if he was in the upcoming open draft, he would have been a top thirty selection. With our guys, do you have a feeling around? Um, you know, using that as a, as a base level where they would be selected and, you know, what what is the likelihood in the next couple of years that we're going to see either of them actually playing senior footy? Yeah, look, it's, it's, all, it's all speculation, right? Because you've got another half a season of development. You don't know if, say, Clay Tucker plays the national championships and has a fantastic championships. He might catapult himself into around that top 30 range as well. But as it stands right now, he's probably a late draft pick in the national draft. So, you know, you're getting a crack at somebody who, you know, um, you can bring into your own system, develop at an elite uh, professional environment, allow him to train day in, day out, week in, week out, um, under the guidance of the Andy Collins and the other developmental coaches. Zane Littlejohn sees him all the, every day um, and plays, uses him on the weekend as well. So, um, the benefit to the Hawks, more than where he would have gone in the national draft, is that extra six months in the Hawthorne system that we wouldn't have got into him if um, he wasn't selected in the mid-season draft. In terms of Brandon Ryan, I think that's a more speculative pick, and that's probably why he goes in the second round of the mid-season draft. Um, but there's obviously enough talent there that um, you know Hawthorne were willing to rookie him in the mid-season draft. And I really liked what Mark McKenzie said um, in speaking to the Hawks website today is that um, where when our list is in the position that it's in at the moment where we're developing young talent, we're giving players an opportunity, unless your name's Denver Granger Barras, and when we're really trying to see what we've got, um, taking a flyer on Brandon Ryan for six months is effectively a free hit. We've got a list space there may as well use it. And I kind of love that theory because you just don't know if a player like that who's untapped potential, hasn't been tried in an elite environment before, comes in and he maybe he pops. His cousin did it Frio, plucked out of out of the VFL, out of Maribyrnong as well. So who knows where that leads to? So I think that's 
probably more important for Hawks fans to take under into consideration rather than where they might have gone in the national draft if not selected in the MSD. Yeah, thanks, Prinzi. And and boy, isn't his cousin some sort of footballer? Uh, I think that it actually completely lends itself to the fact that you know we've been so good for such a long time at turning some of our late national draft picks. Um, some of those spec picks into very, very good footballers. So, um, as you said, uh, it's a free hit for six months in the environment, uh, taking uh, a, a six-month head start in you know what we'd be able to do at the end of the year and, and what we've been doing for a fair amount of time as well. Prinzi, thank you very much. As always, comprehensive you are 100% the guy when it comes to all things draft and our list. Now, uh, noting that we've got 15 minutes left to go, I feel like it would be remiss of us not to mention that the AFL ended its investigation um, into, uh, well, the the racism indigenous investigation that's been ongoing and whilst it was clearly going to be a major issue of conversation topic of conversation I feel like it's been a nice positive healthy chat so far tonight and um, want to look ahead at the port game so uh, obviously we're aware of everything that's happened over the last couple of days incredible job by the AFL to escape the scrutiny of sitting on this for eight months and at the same time um, throw us under the bus by talking about, um, I think Gil specifically in his press conference the other night mentioned bringing the game into disrepute and conduct unbecoming. Um, We saw from the ABC today that um, they reiterated their sources for their stories were players um, and uh, no doubt uh, there are many Hawthorne supporters wondering what exactly we have done wrong. And that is going to uh, unfold over the next few months. Um, again, the questions around if Gil was able to wrap this up within a one-week time frame over the last week or so. Why couldn't that have been done eight months ago? Uh, There are a number of other questions that need to be asked and clearly will be. Um, Was really interesting to see statements this week, very strong statements from uh, Fagan and Bert and also see Andy Gowers come out and completely defend the club and once again put forward that it would be very, very disappointed disappointing if uh, if we were to receive any sort of sanction, financial or otherwise. So we'll watch this space. Um, I think that hosting the space, I get the right to be able to say that is it for that topic of conversation. Let's move on to some other more positive stuff and Brad, going to get you on board here because we want to look ahead to the game against Port Adelaide on the weekend. We saw earlier in the week 
We had an injury update looking at CJ, uh, at Joshy Ward and Chad Wingard. We put out your uh, selection dissection earlier today, which as always had a lot of great discussion, uh, commentary, thoughts. And then we saw the team get named tonight with, uh, one significant inclusion and one significant non-inclusion that you're going to talk about. Yeah, well, I had in my article, obviously, Sis going out. I thought Scrimshaw would come in for him. Listening to Sam speak at his press conference today, uh, he did mention that Wingard and Ward would play some football. You know, they needed to get uh, minutes into their game. So when he said that, I knew Ward was heading to Box Hill uh, this week. I thought Wingard would come in as the sub this week, but he'll obviously also play at Box Hill, which I think is the right call. I think um, Chad Wingard days at Hawthorne are numbered. I don't think he's going to be at the club next season. I like how Sam Butler's kept his spot. Um, Brockman's obviously kept his spot despite being subbed last week. Um, we've obviously got um, you know Luke Bruce playing really well. Dylan Moore had his best game last year as well which is good. Cam McKenzie gets a rest. His name is an emergency. So it'll be interesting to see whether him or Ned Long get the sub vest this week. Um, he's listed as uh, managed. So, yeah, one of those two will be the sub. Um, but the injury report during the week was really positive. We're just about at full strength at the moment. Um, some might disagree. I don't think CJ is in our best 22 at the moment. Um, I think Josh Weddle and Seamus Mitchell have earned their spots in the best 22 um, in the back line at the moment. Uh, obviously, Scrimshaw comes in for Sicily. Uh, unless we get an injury this week, unfortunately, Scrimshaw, unless Josh Weddle needs a rest next week, Jack's going to make way again for Sicily. I think our back six the last few weeks has looked really settled. The inclusion of Blank three weeks ago has really helped Sicily. Um, guys mentioned earlier before, uh, I said it after the Geelong game um, where Sicily probably had one of his worst games in a long time. And then again, I think against Fremantle as well. Sissy's not a key fullback. The role he's playing now is the exact role he should be playing. And James Blank alongside Sam Frost allows him to play that role. So I think the team's pretty settled. We beat Port by 10 goals last year. I know they had a lot of guys out, but our team on paper this week, despite not having Sis there, is actually quite strong. Do I think we'll win? No. Port of one, I think it's eight games in a row. But I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think it will be. I think we match up well against them. Their midfield is very young as well. I know they've got Rosie and Butters, who have been unbelievable this season. But uh, Wines hasn't been great this year. Um, Scott Lysette, I think our Ruffman can get on top of him. Um, Tom Jonas is playing in the Soundful uh, this week. So I think we match up pretty well. I think we can get within three or four goals, which would be a good effort. Um, but the team's looking quite settled at the moment, which is a positive. So just a couple of things to focus on with selection. I think one, um, the positive that Connor McDonald is named on a half-forward flank. So hopefully he gets to see a full game. But... As you mentioned, once we saw and heard that Chad would most likely be available for selection, there were conversations around whether it would be Brocky or Sam Butler that bit the bullet. And so it's very, very positive to see them both rewarded with the last couple of weeks worth of work by staying in the team as well, Brad. 
Absolutely. McDonald, we've been saying it. I know he's been the sub the last few weeks, but each time he's come on, he's played a really important uh, role in the side. He needs to be playing week in, week out. It's quite difficult at the moment, though, when you look at our forward line, like I mentioned before, you know, you've got Butler, Brockman, Bruce, Moore, um, and McDonald. I know McDonald will hopefully eventually become a midfielder or a winger, um, but at the moment he's playing as that high half forward, which is, you know, similar to Moore at the moment. So um, it's great to see him in the side. I reckon he's really classy. I think he's got the potential to become an elite uh, footballer. Um, So the more games he can play, the better. And that's why I believe Wingard, I'll be... Very disappointed if um, Chad comes into the senior side next week at the expense of one of those guys. I know the likes of Butler and Brockman are still young and they're going to have quiet games, but the more they play, um, the better they're going to get. And we've seen them show really good signs in the last few weeks. I know Brockman's been a bit quiet, still bobbing up and kicking a goal. Butler as well is kicking a goal a game and getting 15 or so possessions. So, um, you know, that's um, our future and that group of players must play. The elephant in the room again, I'm sure Prince is going to have his say. Um, DGB uh, not selected yet again. Let's just hold that Um, thought for one sec, Brad, because I think I'd love to hear each of your thoughts on that as the next topic of conversation. We've got Scott on board who wants to have his say. Welcome back to the space, Scott. Thanks, uh, Weesey. Uh, I'm actually doing the trip again. I'm heading over yeah, Sunday no. morning, so I am. I apologise in advance because I think I texted you after, during the Frio game and told you most of the games I've been to have been our worst performances, <laughs> bar the Melbourne game. So, yeah, no, I booked all these trips before the season started, so another stadium I've got to tick off, so... Heading to the Adelaide Oval. Amazing. Well, we'll definitely make sure we get your um, your feedback and report when we chat next week. Uh, I took Ethan, my boy, to the Adelaide Oval for the Port game in the early rounds last year where we smashed them there and, and went for a number of the games at Gather Round. And it is a brilliant experience. So regardless of the results, no doubt you will enjoy the Adelaide Oval experience. Thanks, Scott. Um, now, Brad and Prinzi, just going to pull you guys up because that topic around DGB is... A significant one, and it seems like more people are jumping onto uh, what would be your side of the fence, Brad, as each week goes on in relation to a stance on DGB. Tell everyone your thoughts and how you're feeling about uh, where we're at with DGB, what you think is needs to happen, what you think is going to happen, and what what it all looks like over the next 6, 12, 18 months for our top-end draft pick. Look, it's a really tough one. What needs to happen is DGB needs to be playing senior football. Unfortunately, at the moment, there's no spot for him. Prinzi's going to disagree, which is fair enough. I understand he's only 21. It's only his third year in the system. But at the moment, he's behind James Blank, Sam Frost, James Sicily, Josh Weddle, 
Jack Scrimshaw comes in this week for Sicily. Now, yes, they might play different enough positions, but a back six of full strength is really settled at the moment. It's not going to change heading into 2024. Will McCabe's going to come into the team. Uh, yes, Josh Weddle might play a role of position, but I still think the position he's playing at the moment is the position he'll probably play again next season. So a back six at the moment at full strength and next season, in my opinion, will be Hardwick, Blank, Frost, Sicily, Seamus Mitchell, uh, Josh Weddle, and one of Jack Scrimshaw or CJ. At the moment, I don't think CJ's in our best 22. Some may disagree, but I don't think he is in front of either Josh Weddle or Seamus, and uh, those are one of those plays is going to have to go out for CJ to come in. Um, Scrimshaw's obviously the replacement for Sicily at the moment. So I know everyone says DGB's only 21. You've got to give these guys more time. The reality is we're the 16th placed side in the competition, and he's behind four or five guys at the moment. None of those four or five guys are going at anywhere. All of them bar Frost, who's actually been pretty good and who's contracted until the end of 2024, are going to get better and are not going at anywhere. Will McCabe, who Prinzi speaks very highly of, the reports are very positive, and I understand he might be a little raw still, but he's coming to the club next year. Uh, it might be harsh, but I would be very surprised if he's not playing at West Coast next year. Over to you, Prinzi. The only thing that I will concede there from what you just said, Bradley, is that uh, it is not great that he's not playing senior football at the moment. Other than that, I think a lot of what you've just said is inaccurate. Um, there are only two people that he's behind in the pecking order. De- uh, Denver Granger Brass is behind James Blank and Sam Frost. You are not going to bring in a third key defender to replace third tools and flankers. So when we start talking about Josh Weddle, when we start talking about um, Jack Scrimshaw, James Sicily, they play a different role. And there's a reason why Hawthorne's back line has looked a lot better in the last few weeks. It's because they're playing two key position players. Now, honestly, back when they brought Blank back in, that was a flip of the coin as to whether it was James Blank or Denver Granger Barats. And Blank probably got it because he has a more mature physically developed body, simple as. If you ask me who in 12 months' time is going to be ahead of the other, Denver Granger Brass will overtake James Blank in terms of pure talent and ability to play football. So, yes, it would be ideal for Denver to be playing AFL football right now, but really what he needs to do is build confidence, build his physical stature, and get ready to play AFL football when his opportunity presents itself. Okay, Prinzi. So what I want to ask you is um, clearly with him not playing much football, given the contract situation, given his value at the trade table, he's not going to be worth a lot. Obviously, if it is West Coast he wants, he could potentially walk through to a pre-season draft as an example, but talk about the value there would be when you're not going to be getting a bounty for someone so talented and selected so highly as him in terms of the age demographic and the list build. We're talking about a list that spent so long 
relying on a Kyle Hardigan for the last couple of years because we just had no depth in defenders and we had the Hartleys and we had David Mira brought in and, I mean, we've just struggled. So one of those other two gets injured. I feel like in terms of the next two, three, four years, the age demographic and the list builds... It's it's a no-brainer for me that he has to be on this list. So, we see, you know, I, I, I want to talk about what you just said in a couple of different points. First and foremost, Denver Granger Brass is contracted for next year. Um, unless I'm completely mistaken, I'm pretty sure he signed a two-year contract extension last year, which covers him until the end of 2024. So he can't walk into the preseason <laughs> draft or anything like that. If West Coast are desperate for him, they can pay for him. They can pay up and they can pony up. If we are putting him into an open market, we're probably not going to get a fair ROI for what we've invested in Denver Granger Brass. He's talented, but like Brad has said, and where I will uh, agree with him, the runs aren't on the board. So we're not going to get what we believe he's worth. Again, that lends itself to retaining him on the list and trying to develop him and get that return on our investment. Can confirm just before you go on that he is contracted till the end of 24. Correct. So um, the second point of what you said is exactly right. We're talking about he can't step into this Hawthorne, this settled Hawthorne team. It takes one hamstring injury to one of those guys, one knee reconstruction. You know, I'm not that we're wishing any of these things on these players, but there's an opportunity as soon as one of those two guys, um, you know, get injured for Denver to come in and and claim his role. And what we've seen is if blokes can get fit, if they can get fine form, regardless of how bad their previous years are, Mitchell's willing to give them an opportunity. Seamus Mitchell is a perfect example of that. They were drafted in the same year, um, Mitchell and Granger Barras. Mitchell at pick 29, and his first two years were wiped out by injury, um, and he played no, no consistent footy even at VFL level. So he has come in at the start of this year and created a position for himself because he's been able to stay fit and play games. Denver Granger Brass just needs to play games. If it, even if it's a VFL level right now, what we, what we need to remember is that bigger players, taller players, take longer to adjust to AFL footy than smaller players. That's a, that's a pretty commonly agreed upon fact. So instead of you know, riding a player off at 21 years of age, let's just have a little bit of patience and let's see how he develops over the course of the back half of this year. Absolutely, we will want him to be playing football by, by the time the season comes out at AFL level. But even if he's not, you're not moving him on for the sake of moving him on. If West Coast turn around and say, hey, we're desperate for Denver Granger Barras and... You know, if you put him together with the third pick, we'll give you Harley Reid. Well, then you go, okay, that's a different conversation. But we're not giving him, you know, getting rid of him for pennies on the dollar because he hasn't developed at the speed we would have liked him to develop. I think we just need to cool our jets a little bit on riding these players off or being first to say he's a spud, he's not going to make it, and just be a little bit patient with the bigger players who take a little bit more time to adjust to the physicality, the speed, and what they need to do in their task as a key position defender in, in the AFL, at the AFL level. Well said, Prinzi. Now I'm in a world of trouble when Ash 
finds out that we're at the one hour and four minute mark. However, we do have a couple of people who want to have their say and DGB is clearly going to be a hot topic. Walk, you've been listening. What are your thoughts? I'll be quick because keep it under the hour. But um, I agree with basically everything Danny said. I think Denver, like, if Frost was to go down, we need Denver and he's probably going to be the future and I actually think he's going to be a good player. However, my question was going to be, West Coast come to us, they go, pick three, who likely probably wants to go home anyway. He's got young kids and family back in WA and DGB for pick one, so Harley Reid. Are you doing that? Yes or no? Prinzi, you're the the best place to answer this. Uh, if if look, I I really think that Brockman's a special talent, and we need to try to keep him um, whenever and wherever possible. If he turns around and you know asks for a trade back to WA, and the the defining piece is Denver Granger Brass, I don't love that trade because you t- you're trading out three potential players for one, and then when we're in a rebuild, um, you know that's not ideal. But Harley Reid's a special talent, so I don't think you could say no to that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I am of the opposite opinion. I've comfortably said if you were to get three picks inside 10 for your pick one and you can just totally fast-track yeah. your rebuild, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, look, we need to be really, really clear. There's two very, very different things there, right? We're talking pick three, Denver Granger Brass and Tyler Brockman, who in this scenario, Brockman wants to go home. So you're talking about an underdeveloped, not quite ready Denver Granger Brass and pick three plus a player that wants to return. Um, thanks for that, Whitey. Oh, Whitey. Um, as, as opposed to... How many players, Whitey? As opposed to three top 10 picks, which is a very, very different situation. Thanks, Prinzi. Now, Whitey, that was uh, a wonderful way to introduce yourself. Just want to see, are you on board to talk about the disgraceful umpiring in the second half against the Saints, or are we here to talk about DGB? Oh, forget the umpiring. I'd I give that away. Um, DGB, I, I, I've been saying it for weeks, and I mean, we've got sentiment coming of our backside. We're struggling with big blokes at each end of the ground. It's like he's built this centre line. I think you've, as people said, you got to get, you go and get Harley Reid, but you've got Connor McDonald here. You can't get into the centre of the ground. And what I've seen from Weddle, Weddle's going to be anything. But DGB, the big blokes, Centerman, sorry, Ruckman, centre half forwards, full forwards. There's plenty of blokes that we're all talking about as great footballers now, the King brothers. There's blokes around the league now that three years ago, what's his name? The, uh, God, I can't think of his name. The Carlton bloke, not Harry. No, the other bloke. Kerno. Charlie Kerno. Kerno, three years ago, people were going, he's a bust, he's been injured, he can't do this, can't do that. He's now starting to get fill into his body. And I just think DGB... As, and I agree with Danny to the nth degree. You lose Frost or you lose Sis or you lose um, Blank, who's going to play in those positions? If one of them go down, we've got no one. We've got no more talls in the back line. 
as we saw early in the season with Mitch Lewis, he gets hurt. We've got no forwards, no tall forwards left. It's just we've got the centre line that's winning everything. It's become one of the best centre lines in the world. But if you've got blokes that can't stop the ball or blokes that can't kick the ball, you're going to lose games of football. And I just, I believe at 21, I'm with Danny. At 21, at tw- I reckon you give him away. At 23 or 24, you might be regretting it. You'd like to think we don't give him away without some sort of plan. Like at the end of the season, we're not just giving him away because we don't think he's going to make it. But we'd, we'd, if we don't have anything lined up, like a free agent from, from another club or a trade from another club or a you know, freakishly talented key back in the draft, then of course we're going to keep him. Yeah. Um, so you'd, you'd, you'd hope that if we let him go, there's an upgrade on the way. But there ain't – everyone's looking for a better backman and a better forward. I don't think there's that many out there to play that position he would pl- we need to cover. They certainly... I'm with you. I don't think there is one. And so in that, res- in that respect, I'm, I'm not I'm – not, I'm keeping yeah, him. They I'm certainly you, don't, don't grow on trees. They are, take a lot longer to develop. Um, and I feel as though – there is a lot more to play out in the DGB story. Within the next week, I'll have an article looking at uh, the last couple of years and where he is placed. Unfortunately for Brad, this uh, this was a bit of a lopsided conversation. It was about 5-1 there, but off the back of... Well, I didn't get to weigh in. I didn't get to weigh in. Well, do you... Everyone made fair points. I didn't get to weigh in, and, 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 and I'll just say something really quick on this, but James Sicily was pick 56. Uh, what was Mitch Lewis in the, in the 70, 40s or 50s? 76. 70. Mitch Lewis was pick 76. 76. So it's it's actually really hard with key position players to, to, to spot talent at a young age because they develop, their, their bodies develop quicker than their peers, they're monstering uh, other other 16, 15, 16, 17 year olds, so it's actually really you know, Denver may have special traits but you can very easily develop key position players and that's why I do love the strategy of, of picking up key position players in the mid-season draft because you never know when you're going to pick the next sis, so I'd rather dr- use those picks on high-end Midfield talent, where you kind of know what you're getting, and key position players, where it's just an absolute lottery. And I think the history of the AFL has proven that. All right, well, we're 11 minutes over time, so 100% without a doubt, I get to have the last word here. And and the last word, <laughs> the last word tonight is that um, you know we heard so much when he was drafted about how he was the best defender in his age age group the battles against Logan McDonald and how McDonald was the best forward and look at how good he looks. People develop differently. DGB needs time. I'm with Prinzi. I'm with Whitey. I'm here for it. You'll all get to read that in the article and we would definitely, definitely encourage, regardless of which side of the fence you sit, to have your say, comment on it. and We will put up some polls and the like across socials for everyone to have the opportunity to have their say thank you everyone again for jumping on board tonight as i mentioned off the top it's our last one on a thursday for quite a while we've got a few wednesdays coming up with the changing fixture 
few more special articles coming out over the next week. Uh, another Golden News pod revisited is set to drop on Saturday morning. This is an absolute cracker. It's the John Barker 2001 semi-final in Port uh, and a couple of m- amazing stories about what they had to endure to even get to the game that year. It's a wonderful chat, so definitely urge you to get on board. For those of you that haven't already, please feel free to subscribe to our Substack. $5 a month, $50 a year for all of our content, including all of the locked articles, uh, the quality reads, um, and the pods that we put out every week. Thanks again to Daz, to Brad, to Prinzi, to Mora, to everyone who jumped on to speak, to Caroline Wilson, to Damo, to Hachi. Uh, Thanks to all of you. Have a wonderful evening and look forward to joining you again for our player pod review after the game against Port on the weekend. Enjoy the game and good night. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.